Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Earlier this summer, my husband and I, we did a 31-day sugar detox. Yeah, exactly. Good times. (laughs) We found that that life was piling up on us. We got busy, then we had a baby, and we got to a point of needing to ask, are we eating what we should be eating? Are our bodies getting the nourishment that it needs? And I need you to picture us having this conversation over a piece of cake. (laughs) All summer, we've been exploring what the soul needs, your soul the deepest part of who you are, your deepest you, your deepest self. What does the soul need? This morning we look at the idea that our soul needs food, and not just any food, but the food that actually brings life to our soul, the food that actually allows you to flourish, the food that nourishes your soul. What are you feeding your soul these days? This morning, we discover the good news ringing out from God's word, for the Lord desires to feed you. He is the food that satisfies. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 31 through 37. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 31. Hear God's word. And so I tell you, Every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Living God, loving Father, we recognize that you are here, that we gather in your presence, and we are so thankful because we need to hear from you. We need to hear your voice. You have the words of eternal life. To whom else could we go? I confess this morning, Lord, I recognize that I am just a beggar showing other beggars where the bread is. But we do pray, bread of life, living God, that we would see you, that we would taste and see that you are good this morning. And we ask all this in the strong, the mighty, the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Our passage today picks up with where we left off last week. And the tension is escalating between Jesus and the Pharisees, who are some of the religious leaders of Jesus' day. The Pharisees have accused Jesus of being in league with the evil one, with with Satan. Satan. And And they're drawing this dangerous line in the sand setting themselves up against Jesus and his work. And Jesus says, be careful. Your words matter. 
Your words reveal something deeper. For Jesus recognizes that the real problem is not simply the Pharisees' words, their their condemning speech. The real problem is what's going on inside of them. As Pastor Tim has said throughout this sermon series, most problems are soul problems. Most problems are soul problems. And with this incredibly strong language, Jesus says this in verse 34, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Their accusations against Jesus, it showed what was really going on inside of them. And then in our key verse for today, verse 35, Jesus says this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. In other words, what's in you is going to come out of you. If it's bad in, it's bad out. But if it's good in, it's good out. And this, of course, begs the question, what's being stored up in you? What are you feeding your soul? What are you feeding your soul these days? I recently read the story of a young woman named Stacy. Since the age of two, Stacy has eaten a diet almost exclusively of, are you ready? Chicken nuggets. (laughs) Non-stop chicken nuggets. At the age of 17, she was rushed to the hospital, her body desperately deficient for the needed nutrients and vitamins. And after being hospitalized, after meeting with with doctors, Stacy said, I'm starting to realize that this is really bad for me. I'm starting to realize. Now this story first appeared in a British tabloid magazine before it was picked up by other news outlets, so I'm not sure how, how accurate it is, but it gives us this picture of how out of whack we can get. And what about our souls? We can recognize when, when our bodies are deficient, uh, aren't getting the, the, the nourishment that it needs, but what about your soul? Can you tell when your soul is starving? Can you tell when your soul is malnourished, starving for real food. For me, I start to to see the signs that my soul is malnourished. It's when I eat a steady diet of of busyness, when I just feed my soul hurry and hustle, when my life becomes one giant to-do list with no stopping in sight. For me, I I can tell my soul is, is malnourished when I feed it anxiety and worry. When I look at the circumstances around me and taking God out of the equation, I just chew on my fears for today, my worries about tomorrow. For for me, I can tell my soul is malnourished when I feed it constant noise, constant distractions, when my phone is going off all the time, when I'm more present to my social media feed than my people around me. Author Pete Santucci describes the times that his soul is starving like this. He says, too much entertainment, not enough reflection. Too much gossip, not enough prayer. Too much ego, not enough community. Too much wanting, not enough enjoying what I have. Too much fear, not enough hope. Too much lust, not enough love. Too much noise, not enough silence. Too much talking, not enough listening. Too much rushing, not enough resting. Too much doing, not enough being. Too much of me, not enough of God. Can you tell when your soul is starving for real food? And I would suggest if you're feeling drained, 
disconnected, distracted. If you find yourself acting cranky and crabby, if your loved ones would describe you using words like irritable, if you're finding these days that everything makes you irate, I would suggest this is a good time to examine your life. Just ask, what have I been feeding my soul lately? I'm starting to realize there's gotta be other food, better food for my soul. What are you feeding your soul? And here again is the warning of Jesus. Jesus says, pay attention, pay attention to what you're storing up in you because it's going to come out of you. You see, for the human soul, it's only too true, you are what you eat. You've heard that expression before, right? You are what you eat. It makes me think of the character of Violet from the classic Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. She's greedy and grabby and she refuses to listen to, to anyone around her. She takes Willy Wonka's gum and she gobbles it up and at first she tastes blueberries and she describes how good they taste, but then the next minute she becomes a blueberry, literally. I'm also starting to realize that the stories we tell our kids are terrifying. <laughs> but it's not just Violet. All around us, we see these examples. You are what you eat. I think about my friend, hurt and bitter, and she just ate anger, bitterness. She, she feasted on it, and days turned to months to years, and now even decades, and the steady diet of, of bitterness, it's taken its toll. I think about our culture, driven by, by fear, division, us versus them, and we chew on it, we chew on it all the time, and it takes its toll. That expression, you are what you eat, some say it was first really brought into common use by a Frenchman writing in the 1820s, and his words were literally translated like this, tell me what you eat, and I will tell you what you are. And our passage today reminds us for the human soul, it is only too true, you are what you eat. Your soul will reflect the food it's being fed. If it's bad in, it's bad out. But if it's good in, if it's good in, if it's the things that make us more human, not less. If it's the things that connect us with God and with each other and with the life we were made for, if it's good in, it's good out. And so what's the good food for your soul? And where do we find it? We see that there's good food all around us. It's the things that bring joy, connection, beauty, delight in our lives. It's the community, the listening, the reflection, the hope, the love, the just being, the, the resting that Pete Santucci wrote about. But ultimately, all of these good things, they point us to the deeper soul food that we find in Scripture. You see, at one point in Jesus' ministry, this huge crowd is around him. And where are they going to get bread for all these people? There's a boy there with five small loaves of bread and two small fish. And Jesus takes this offering and he blesses it and he gives it to the disciples to hand out to the people. And when it's all said and done, 5,000 men are fed, not including the women and children who are there. It's astonishing. It's this miraculous sign of who Jesus is what Jesus is here to do. And then Jesus leaves, and the crowd goes off after him. They want more. And when they finally find Jesus, Jesus says, you know, I filled your stomachs, and you want more. But let me tell you, there's a different kind of food. 
He says, do not work for food that's just gonna spoil on you, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And the crowd asks him, what must we do? What must we do to do the work that God requires? And Jesus says this, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And then Jesus tells them more about this other kind of food, this food that endures to eternal life. And he says the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The bread of God is the bread that comes down to give life. And then Jesus says, I am. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. Our passage in Matthew today is a hard passage in a lot of ways. There are things that Jesus says that make you want to scratch your head and wonder, what does that mean? Remember, the Pharisees have drawn this dangerous line in the sand, setting themselves up against Jesus and his kingdom work, trying to pull people away from Jesus. And Jesus warns them about what they're doing. In verse 31, Jesus says, and so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Jesus goes on to say that anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I remember being really troubled by this verse when I was a kid. I was so afraid that I would accidentally say the wrong thing and and commit the unforgivable sin. But as many have pointed out, if you're worrying about such a thing, that worry actually shows that you're not guilty of doing it. Because what Jesus is talking about is something else. It's a persistent, a a willing hard-heartedness. Setting yourself up against the Holy Spirit who is the giver of life, the one who draws us to Jesus. Last week, Pastor Jennifer quoted scholar Dale Bruner, who said this, teaching that withdraws faith from Jesus is against the Spirit. Teaching that pulls us from Jesus. For it's Jesus. Jesus who has the words of eternal life. To whom else could we go? It's Jesus, Jesus who's the true bread of heaven come down for our rescue, sent by God the Father with healing in his wings. It's Jesus, Jesus who offers himself to us, for us. It's Jesus who though he was without sin, became sin on our behalf. This bread I offer, Jesus says, is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. It's Jesus, Jesus who offers up his life as a sacrifice on the cross, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's Jesus, Jesus who defeats death, who overwhelms the grave, who invites us, who ushers us, who brings us into his resurrection life. It's Jesus, Jesus who says, I am the bread of life. To quote Dale Bruner again, Jesus is claiming in his own person to be that for which all human beings most long. Those hunger pains deep within you, pay attention to them. That feeling in your gut that there must be more to life than all the noise and hustle, all the cheap food and empty calories we try to feed our soul, pay attention to it. The desire, the longing, as deep cries out to deep, as the Holy Spirit draws you in closer and closer to Jesus. Jesus is the one for which all human beings most long. 
And what are the practices in your life that just open up space to be with Jesus? What are the practices in your life that just create this space to meet with Jesus? Earlier this summer, we handed out these soul fitness cards, and they list seven simple practices to try. On your way out, the ushers will have more of these cards if, if you need another one or if you never got one. What are the practices that just open up space in your life to be with Jesus? Jesus is the one for which all human beings most long. And as Dale Bruner points out, the invitation, the invitation given to us, given to us this morning, it's simply to come. We simply come. So often we ask, what do we do? What do we do? What's the work? Show me, I'll do it. Give me the hurry, give me the hustle, I'll figure it out. So often we ask that, we start with that question, but the grace of Jesus just cuts through all of that. This is the work, Jesus says. Believe. Look to me and trust me. The grace of Jesus just cuts through all of our striving and straining, all of our pretending and posturing. Just look to me and trust me. Our son Luke recently started eating solid food, and he caught on so quickly to how it all works. I was really impressed. (laughs) A few days into this new adventure of eating solid food, my baby boy would simply open his mouth as I brought the spoon to his lips. You knew I had to work in a picture somehow. (laughs) He would just open his mouth to simply receive the good food that his parents had for him. We we try to dress ourselves up for Jesus. Fix your tie, fix your hair, get your act together, figure it out on your own, but the grace of Jesus just cuts through all of that. Simply come, open your mouth, Open your hands and receive. The prophet Isaiah puts it like this. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Friends, what Jesus is setting before us is the richest of foods. This is the living God saying to you, I've prepared a feast for you. For you, I've moved heaven and earth. For you, I have laid down my life. For you, I have conquered the grave. Jesus longs to feed you. He is the food that satisfies. And maybe it will be in ways you don't expect We so often look for God in the big and the dramatic, and maybe the grace is coming to you in the quiet and the ordinary. Jesus longs to feed you. Because in a dry and weary land where there is no water, the Lord God will be your sustenance. When the road is long and your knees are weak and your heart is weary, The Lord God will set a table before you. Come, buy, and eat. Eat what is good. May you discover again this morning that the Lord's love is better than life, and you will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. May you taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord longs to feed you. He is the food that satisfies. And church, that's what this meal is about. This Lord's table, 
there's two sacraments in the Presbyterian tradition, baptism and, and communion. And a sacrament is an outward sign of an inward reality of grace, God's grace tangibly at work. And we gather around this table, we come to this table, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are united with the risen Jesus. But the Lord longs to feed us here, not just to talk about food. That's the worst, just to talk about food. But the Lord wants to feed you here this morning, to nourish you. And so I ask you just to reflect for a moment, are there places in your soul that are famished for what only Jesus can supply? We run ourselves ragged. We run ourselves in circles, trying to get the bread that, that, that just spoils. And the grace of Jesus cuts through all of that. Come. Hear these words from N.T. Wright, Jesus, the real Jesus the living Jesus, the Jesus who dwells in heaven and rules over earth as well, the Jesus who has brought God's future into the present, wants not just to influence us, but to rescue us. Not just to inform us, but to heal us. Not just to give us something to think about, but to feed us, and to feed us with himself. That's what this meal is about. I pray more than anything this morning, that you would know that Jesus, the real Jesus, the living Jesus, the true bread of heaven, wants not just to influence you, but to rescue you. Not just to inform you, but to heal you. Not just to give you something to think about, but to feed you, to feed you with himself. He is the food that satisfies, and our job, our job is to simply open our mouth, Open our hands and receive. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to taste and see that you are good. Help us to recognize the places in our soul that are truly famished. And help us to hear your voice. Come to me, all who are weary. Come. Help us to respond to your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.